0: Hello there, I'm Kieron Lee, and welcome to Inside Intercom. On today's show, we're featuring our principal machine learning engineer, Fergal Reed. Fergal has been a linchpin in the development of our new resolution bot, so we invited him on the show to get a peek underneath the hood of this fascinating strand of what we do at Intercom. As you'll hear, it's the culmination of a huge amount of work from Fergal, his team, and many, many people across the company. This new departure from our AnswerBot and the change in name reflects that it provides resolutions and not just answers for your self-serve customer. ResolutionBot is a new feature that we're very proud of. We believe it's going to make scaling a personalised customer experience even easier for our customers. It offers answers to questions as soon as customers start typing, only engages the customers you'd like, and is fluent in six new languages. It's a really interesting discussion, so let's hear what Fergal had to share about the process of building it. Fergal, you're very welcome back to Inside Intercom. This time, it's all to mark the launch of Intercom's resolution bot. Before we delve into that, can you give a really quick background as to your role at Intercom?
1: Sure. Well, I lead the ML team at Intercom. I have joined Intercom about two and a half years ago. I think I was our first dedicated machine learning hire. And kind of initially joined in a pretty strict individual contributor role. And happily, we've brought several machine learning products to market and we've had a good response. And the team has kind of grown and we have uh, sort of four full-time people on the team. And one thing I think that uh, we've really tried to do in the machine learning team is to be able to kind of do the full product loop ourselves internally in the team. So it's really important for us to like not get blocked on other teams pushing stuff to production to be able to have tight feedback loops as we build machine learning products.
0: So to Resolution Bot now, this is the next generation of our Answer Bot, uh, our intelligent chat bot that automatically and instantly tackles
1: common customer questions. Tell us what's changed there. So um, obviously we, we launched Answer Bot about two years ago and you know, there was a, it was a lot of work building AnswerBot, building the first generation of AnswerBot. Um, because when we started that project, we really didn't know what we were going to get ourselves into. We kind of saw that there was a lot of bots across the industry that were, you know, starting to get good. Like, I think I think Intercom is, is for better or worse, on, on record, um, historically, is, has been a little bit skeptical of bots, right? Because I think maybe... Three, four years ago, five years ago, sort of the first generation of chatbots were were very overpromised. We had like all this media hype about how bots are going to do everything, and the, the tech just wasn't there yet. And maybe more importantly, the kind of the, the product experiences weren't there yet. Like it, even if even if we amazingly had the tech five years ago, there was a lot to figure out in terms of what actually makes a good bot product, a good automation product. It was it's been easy. It's been easy for like. 30 years to make something that would match keywords and what somebody has said, and like try give an answer from a bank of answers. That that's really old tech, but we haven't had sort of chatbots and automation actually answering people's questions for 30 years. Why is that? One reason is the rise of messengers. I, as an end user, I, I love using a messenger for support, right? I don't like Being on the phone and having to wait uh, for support, I can't do anything else when I'm waiting. And if I send an email, maybe I'll never receive an email back, or if it'll take 24 hours and there'll be a clarifying question, I'll ask something else. Messengers are kind of good like this, and bots work really well at messengers. Automation works really well at messengers because you can kind of have that rapid back and forth. So, like the user interface space to put a bot is relatively new, and we have the machine learning technology to build a bot that can come in and can help and not look stupid. And we started all these things like seemed to be converging about two years ago when we started to build Answerbot. But as we actually built it, we had a whole ton of unknowns. When we started off, we, we didn't know whether this was actually going to be able to help anybody. And we had to build like a whole lot of prototypes and you know really fast development cycles to put, you know, very early alpha versions of what eventually became Answerbot in front of end users. And one thing I thought that you know, went well for us in that project was that we were literally about sort of six or eight weeks into development when we actually had like a really scrappy, really early version of AnswerBot, you know, answering people's questions on intercom. And we were like, wow, this is really working. Someone just come along they've asked like a fairly kind of complex question, an edge case question that, that maybe the customer support person wouldn't know. They'd have to look up a specialist. And we've actually taught the bot how to answer this and the bot just jumps in gives the end user their answer. And the first few times we started, we saw this in our alpha test, we were like, wow, there's something magical here. And so, you know, we built this product that eventually became Answer, but we built it to production. It took us about 10 months to build it and to ship it. And, you know, as that sort of development period went on, when we sort of got maybe three, four months in, it sort of became obvious to us that like, yeah, the the end user experience here isn't really risky anymore. We're feeling really good about the end user experience, but will our customers be able to to actually settle up and will they be able to curate it? And it took us a long time to sort of design a good sort of customer experience there. But, you know, we we did that and we launched it. And then, (laughs) you know, you go through these progressive waves of uncertainty. The next sort of thing we were very uncertain about was is this actually going to like deliver real ROI for people? Is it just going to like come in and answer their questions? Or is it, is it actually going to like resolve end user issues? Is it going to do that at scale? Are our customers going to be able to to kind of to do that? And so um, we spent a lot of time toward, you know, when we were sort of 75% away through that project, trying to figure out how do we really measure the success of a product like this? And we spent a lot of time developing what we ended up calling this this resolution metric some lot of really great work on one of our our reporting teams to to do this and this sort of resolution metric was kind of like okay the user has asked a question and the bots given them an answer and they actually the bot will give them buttons like that helped or like wait for the team we can sort of look at like the times when the user has like explicitly said that helped or or when they've just gotten their their answer and they've just left, and then the bot will prompt them and say, "Hey, look, it looks like you've gotten your answer here. Uh, do you need any sort of follow-up support with the team or not and and basically we def- we defined this resolution metric, and since then in production, I think it's fair to say that the actual number of resolutions this bot has generated has really sort of exceeded our early expectations and uh, we've done over Six hundred thousand uh, resolutions across a wide range of customers at the moment, and each one of those is an actual time when you know an end user has come along and they've asked something they've asked maybe a complicated hard question, the bot has come in and it, it's given them an answer, and then that has resolved that they they haven't had to wait anymore for the team to kind of to help them and yeah we're we're, we're really pretty happy with that and so I, I guess that's why we're starting to evolve the product and to kind of focus it more and more on resolutions. And we're even changing the name of what used to be AnswerBot. We're sort of, there's this next version of it with a whole ton of new features that I'm sure we'll go into. We're, we're actually calling Bot front and center to, to really focus on resolutions, times when it specifically helped end users. One really interesting thing for me that's
0: different now is that for this next major iteration of the product, we have so much more data. That it was a bit of a shot in the dark to some extent in, in the the first release. And we used it on it for ourselves and a few beta customers, but really limited data set. But now we can actually we can A B test different strategies against one another. We can look back at historical data and and having all this rich data and context and history allows us to make
1: better informed decisions about where we should go next. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, like, like there's a there's a whole lot to to dig into there and to unpack there. Yeah, I mean, so. Machine learning products, one really lovely thing about getting to work at Intercom and build machine learning products here is we have a huge number of customers, we care a lot about them and we get a ton of data. So, you know, when we build a product, what makes it hard, I guess, is that when we build a product, it can't just work for like one or two customers. It's got to work for like a broad section of our customer base. That's a little bit hard, but the upside is we get data on a whole lot of different businesses and we can really kind of go and use that data to tune these bots And you mentioned a couple of things there. You mentioned, you know, AB testing. One of the things that we're doing with this move to resolution bot is that we've moved to an entirely new backend that actually like powers the kind of the core algorithms of the bot. Two and a half years ago, we were sort of really watching deep learning and the rise of deep learning. And we took like all the sort of the top cutting edge networks that were out there and we benchmarked them, benchmarked the different network architectures. And like, none of them were just quite there yet. We, we could use them as components, and we got a lot of mileage out of using word vectors, which is you know a big thing that tells you what words are similar to each other. We got a big mileage out of using those as, as com- components of AnswerBot, but none of the neural networks were really, in our opinion, ready for prime time at that point. And in the last two years, something that's changed is there's just been a huge leap forward in the accuracy and the, the, the predictive power of these sort of neural networks that the process natural language. And so one of the things we've done for Resolution Bot is we've switched over to a neural network based architecture and it's really good. It's more accurate across a wider range of customers. It's able to do things like look at parts of a conversation. So, you know, in the past we were sort of like, if someone said, I have a question about Salesforce, the real word that the product would focus in on is Salesforce and see if that matched. And like now we're able to tell someone say, like the difference between someone saying, I have a question about Salesforce versus like, Hey, I need some general information about Salesforce. And like, so, you know, these are very subtle distinctions, but there's a big change in machine learning that like now we can kind of hone in on those subtle distinctions. That's very exciting. But, uh, you know, and, and part of the reason we can we can build these products and be confident shipping this is is because we have that data, that data can help us sort of fine tune these machine learning models, but also be pretty confident that they're actually going to move the needle for our customers. And one of the things we've been doing over the past few months, as we kind of geared up to this launch, is, is doing a really large scale testing program to actually check, hey, how well does this new engine do against the old one? And the amount of data we have has enabled us to to really become confident in that, in that and also to look and identify individual customers or individual use cases, individual kind of domains where it, it's just, you know, it needed tuning, the new model needed tuning to kind of exceed the performance of the existing model. And it, it's just, it's, it's really great to be in sort of this data rich environment to, to be able to kind of, to actually quantitatively understand those product features.
0: One really interesting thing for me also about this new architecture is simply how much more computationally efficient it is. I recall it being like quite, can you tell us a little bit about that and about some of the implications of being able to simply do some of this back-end work more quickly and efficiently?
1: Yeah, absolutely. We're, we're really getting into the, the technical details here. But one of the great things about um, these neural network architectures is they take a whole ton of time to train. But once you've trained them, they're actually pretty computationally fast at actually saying, hey, you know, what are the answers that matches this question this end user has asked? And that that has a bunch of benefits. Like it reduces any sort of latency of like, you know, how long is the bot going to take to respond? And you know, that's a small deal because computers are pretty fast anyway. But it means like like this new neural network approach we have is, is literally hundreds of times faster than the sort of the more traditional ML approach we had before. And, you know, that makes it like way faster on the back end. We we have this feature in AnswerBot traditionally, which we call internally internally we call it suggested common questions. And it's basically just the feature where when you're in the AnswerBot curation tool, we try and find like the biggest groups of questions that people are asking about. So maybe one of your biggest questions is like, hey, uh, I need to reset my credit card uh, or my credit card was stolen or I need to reset my password, uh, questions like that. And, you know, we want to be able to kind of to put that in front of you, of, uh, of our customers and that the faster computer means that when we are trying to go and find all the questions that are like similar to each other and kind of cluster them and group them together and uh, that that works like way faster, way more efficiently for us. So then we can use it on more and more of our customers' historical questions and give them better and better recommendations about about what the biggest things their kind of their users are asking about. Her. So before we built resolution bot, if our
0: customers wanted these types of capabilities on intercom or anywhere, they would have often had to build them themselves. Yeah. And there would have been a bunch of barriers to that. Maybe like lack of skills or fear of the unknown, or just like data quality.
1: Yeah. And how do you feel resolution bot mitigates against these for all of our customers? I I, mean, I think that, that's a really interesting question. I think that that to me cuts to kind of the heart of, of- one of the reasons why I love working at Intercom, which is that um, Intercom has like a really big focus traditionally on design and on ease of use and building products that our customers c- can actually use. And, you know, not, not to say that our, our competitors don't think about these things too, but I, I think Intercom traditionally has had a product that, you know, works for you if you're a very small one or two person company and like also works for you if you're, you know, really quite a large company. And that focus that it has to work for our smallest customers uh, has really forced us to, to get good at design. Like we haven't traditionally been able to assume, hey, you know, there's going to be like a team of specialists here that one of our customers is going to be able to hire to configure this bot or that they're going to have a team. We haven't been able to assume that a customer is going to have a team of data scientists to set up a bot. And if you look at a lot of the other tools that you can use to build bots, A lot of them involve setting up rules, you know, so like if the end user says X and Y, then the bot says this particular thing and building those rules in a very sort of fine grained way. And the problem with sort of very rules based approaches like that, where you're, you're setting up all your intents and, you know, really configuring the bot is once you have like 10 or 20 questions, 10 or 20 things your bot can do set up is it starts to get a lot like programming. And one thing we've tried to do with a resolution bot is to enable you to do that sort of natural language processing without sort of needing those programming or those data science skills. And um, that's taken a lot of time and a lot of work to sort of build that setup uh, interface that, that really works for our customers. We did several rounds of user research, with some painful times on sort of the design and the machine learning end to, to really try and make a product that works there. But now I think you know we have the telemetry and we have the data that actually shows that you know our customers are managing to go and set up loads and loads of answers and and actually get resolutions. And when we talk to them it's somebody from uh, customer support or customer success who's doing this very frequently and um, maybe someone on the little more in the technically sophisticated end of the team but it's not like a programmer and it's not like a data scientist and that's something we're i'm i'm really proud of is is that we've actually we've done that
0: yeah it's so hard to i remember it being a bit of an emotional roller coaster the first time we yeah. were shipping this product like how hard it is to make something that is easy to use in this space and one really interesting thing i remember is We had this idea initially that, you know, we would build a bot that would answer customers' common questions. And we assumed people would know what their common questions were. We assumed that we would know what our common questions were. Right. And we found out that we didn't.
1: Yes, yeah, it's, it's hard. <laughs> this is actually yeah, this is quite a, a controversial time internally um, in the development of the product. And um, when, when we built the first alpha version, um, and it just worked for intercom for our, our own customer support team, and um, you know we built this sort of like clustering tool, and it was super crude, um, but this really, really, very basic, ugly clustering tool that would uh, would attempt to like kind of cluster your questions uh, to figure out you know what intercoms common support questions were. And we did that because I think maybe it was me and maybe you and one of the other people in the team were the only people kind of configuring the bot uh, for intercom at that point. And we didn't know what our most common questions were. And, you know, when you have a big enough hammer, everything looks like a nail. We decided to throw some data at the problem and, and see if we could use machine learning to, to try and discover those questions. And, and it kind of worked, but it was just something that was suitable for, for use as an internal tool. And when the time came to actually develop the product in, in full production for real, there was a lot of controversy initially, just different opinions internally about and very healthy debates about, you know, did we actually need to build something like this? Did we need to like give people that leg up? And you know, some of some of the people at Intercom were like, well, you know, our customers are going to know their top 10 questions. And, you know, our customers, they're answering questions all the time or they're managing a support team. They have a pretty good idea what their most common questions are, but they don't necessarily know or they can't just write down, if you give them a blank screen, how all the different ways that their users ask those questions. And that's what the bot needs. It's not enough that the bot needs to know that one of the common questions is like, I need to reset my credit card. They need to know, the bot needs to be told all the different ways people can ask that. And that if someone comes along and says like, hey, my account is locked Um, I can't spend any money. And that like, you know, if you're a company where when someone asks that, that is a question about credit cards, uh, you want to be able to tell the bot that because the machine learning system can't just know that automatically. It needs to be told that. And so actually discovering and finding sort of the different ways people ask those common questions, you know, takes time. And, And then we built this curation tool that would enable you to search how all your users have asked those questions in the past. And that was really, I think, the the breakthrough moment in the development of sort of the curation experience of our our, our NLP bots that really enabled uh, people to actually go from, you know, staring at a blank canvas, you know, with a pretty good idea of what they wanted the bot to answer, but not really sure how to proceed from there, to actually like, you know, getting started and to like saying, yeah, this is a good example of when the bot's asking that, no, that's not a good example. And 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 to really configuring, you know, pretty big bot installs that would uh would 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 do a lot of resolutions and yeah, and answer a lot of people's questions quickly. Another thing I found fascinating
0: is I don't know exactly how to describe this, but differences in the language space between different customers of ours. Right. Intercom is not an ideal candidate for resolution bot. Right. We have a very broad product with lots of different features and yeah. A lot of people use, it, use different parts of it, and they ask us questions about every part of this large product with a large surface area. Yeah. And then we have other customers who have a lot of customers themselves, in some cases a lot more than we do, but they have simpler products. I'm thinking airlines, power companies, more well-understood businesses with a smaller uh, surface area, at least in terms of the products that their customers interact with. And we see different resolution bot performance across these different types of customers.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is absolutely the case. And, you know, this is something that uh, risked misleading us a little bit at the start. You know, our first customer is often ourselves because it's just easy to run the beta and, you know, we can have a really close relationship with our support team when we're doing the earliest, most risky product development. But, you know, one thing to be careful of is that like Intercom is, is a big product. And I think another part of it is that our our users, our customers are pretty sophisticated. They're spending a lot of time in that product. If I'm, you know, have a relationship with my utility company, my electricity company say, I'm not like spending my working day in that electricity company's product. I probably don't even know it that well. It's very easy for me to get lost in their web interface. And so, you know, if I'm an end user, I might come and I might be like, oh, I've I have a meter reading or I have a problem with my bill. And you know, the electricity company probably gets that same question, you know, tens of thousands of times a day. Intercom, we don't get not so many questions, we get tens of thousands of times a day. And so, you know, initially, you know, when we were set when we were doing this sort of internal version of of the first round of our bots, we were like, gosh, you know, it takes an awfully long time to to really get like high coverage, to really get it to the point where you've curated like, you know, 30%, 50% of, of all your incoming questions. And then we discovered when we did beta with some of our customers that it's completely different. And I, I think you mentioned it there that the conversational space is different because we, we really think about, you know, that there's sort of this, this this space of questions that you have. And, you know, things that are interesting are like how big are the biggest groups of questions in that space? Like is the single biggest kind of topic that people ask you about, does that cover 1% of your total inbound volume of questions, or does it cover 30% of your total inbound volume of questions? Because the sort of the, the return on investment of a bot is going to completely depend based on those sort of those dynamics. And we've done a lot of work on this internally in Intercom now. We've actually quantified for a lot of our different customers looking at their data, sort of the, the distribution of, of that space. And so and absolutely is something that varies from customer to customer. Uh, We always see that, you know, creating more answers will always sort of increase your coverage. And so we always encourage our customers to do that. But the reality is that the level of return of each additional answer you create, is just going to vary from customer to customer. Some customers have relatively easy domains. Some customers have harder domains. And um, that's really been a journey for us to kind of, to, to, to understand that. And you know, We have to be careful. Anytime we make any change to our bot technology, we have to make sure that it works for all of our customers, that it never degrades the performance of any one of these customers that has a very different domain. I guess a related thing that we discovered is some customers have an easier space in terms of natural language processing. There's some customers where, you know, particular words are just very strongly identified, what the end user is asking about. And if you have a product, let's say your product is called resolution bot and you have a customer that comes along and, you know, asks a question about a resolution bot, you're pretty damn sure what they're asking about. But, you know, another intercom product is messages. Someone comes along and asks an intercom conversation about messages. That's harder because, you know, a lot of people talk to us about messages in a lot of different contexts. And some of our customers just have these relatively easy spaces that are just a great fit for NLP, answer bot or resolution bot will work almost out of the box. Other customers, it's just harder. They're just going to require more time and more effort. You can still get there, but you need a bigger volume of questions, bigger volume of, you know, inbound conversations each month for the ROI calculation to make the same amount of sense. So yeah, it absolutely varies from customer to customer. The first episode is out now. You can watch it on Intercom's YouTube channel and we'll bring you audio versions of the episodes right here. Now back to today's episode.
0: So we've heard from our customers that they see a big opportunity with bots to help their customers help themselves. What
1: kind of customer problems were you focused on solving with Resolution Bot? That's a good question. There's a whole lot of answers to that. Like To be completely honest here, I really care about giving end users the answer they want in a hurry. I'm still really fascinated by the magic that we saw in the first round of Alpha of what was then AnswerBot two years ago, which is just that that experience where someone comes along, they ask a question and let's just they just get that answer and it just solves it for them. I, I, I think that's amazing. And I think that we're, we're on this sort of like big long journey to be able to help more and more people like that in that quick snappy way. I mean, at the same time, there's just sort of an economics argument here. Our customers, we want to help them scale. We want to help them be able to to give sort of the high quality support that I think people associate with Intercom at bigger and bigger scale. And, you know, automation is sort of, is a key lever to do that. Like if, if we can get to the point where, you know, and we're not there yet, but I think we're on a journey there and we're investing in it. If we can get to the point where pretty much every question that you've been asked more than five times before, a bot is going to be able to come in and take a shot at. That's amazing. Your support team is going to, it's going to be much more efficient. It's going to spend way less time answering the same road stuff again and again. And the nature of support is going to change. It's going to change from a world where, you know, your support team is sitting there and they're getting the sort of the same questions again and again. They're sort of doing a very mechanical, very automatable job. And instead it's going to shift to a role where they're like, the support team is about automation. It's about you know, removing that sort of drudgery. And that's going to be, you know, more cost effective. It's going to make messengers more cost effective than email. It's going to make messengers more cost effective than uh, phone conversations because, you know, that sort of messenger is just really well suited for that really fast interaction with an end user to try and resolve their problem. I think there's something good there. I'm, I'm really motivated personally by the end user experience, but I think there's something that's, good there for you know both the end users and the businesses and the support team. So I'm I, I'm pretty bought into this. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, me too. It's so interesting that when automation like this works well, it's actually better for everyone. An end user can ask a question and get an answer instantly, yeah. far quicker than a human would be able to do it, and the support team can concentrate on the longer tail of conversations that actually really require human interaction. So it can actually be better for everyone. And, and the way that I've kind of thought about this is that it's a bit akin to say banks before we had ATMs, Right. where if you wanted to, I actually never uh, went into a bank before they had ATMs, but um, <laughs> I understand it used to be the case. You'd have to go in, you'd have to queue up, you'd wait to see a teller provide some sort of documentation and you'd, you'd get your cash out. I I grew up in a rural area and I can assure you that it was like that for a long time. Oh, okay. Interesting. <laughs> and you know, now, of course, we have ATMs and you don't get to interact with a human, right. but we have ATMs everywhere. They're open 24 hours a day. They're very quick and it's it's simpler and better for everyone. And then even more interesting is like now, ATMs themselves are becoming obsolete, we can pay with our phones, and it's just a, a better, more frictionless experience all around. And it's so interesting how, done right, automation can be a big win for everyone.
1: I, I, absolutely. I, I, as you were asking that, I was kind of worried that when we were telling the story about the bank teller and the ATM, there's going to be some section of our audience that's thinking like, what's an ATM? <laughs> what's cash? But I, I mean, I think you're touching on something interesting there, which is that like, this is the story of automation generally. And it always kind of starts off slowly and it feels really weird at the start. And then like, you know, it gets to the point where it's just so ingrained that you don't really see it anymore. Like your, 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 your washing machine that like washes your clothes. The first version of washing machines were like really dangerous and really bad. And like, there was like electricity mixing with water. It just wasn't good. And now the washing machine is just, you know, part of like every household in the developed world. Uh, You just, put your clothes in and it makes your clothes clean and it, that used to take, you know, hours of labor. And so, you know, the, the automation is of any sort, I think is, is really hard and like time consuming and difficult to get right at the start. And you see this, like this, this, this adoption curve that, you know, like it always takes longer to really nail that end user experience to make the end user experience really good. than you initially think to to build an automation product people can use, but then like, you know, you just get to some inflection point in the curve and then suddenly it's everywhere. And I've no reason to think this won't be the case with these sort of automation products that we're building here, which is that it's it's this long, hard fight for us and for our customers to kind of increase the percentage of, you know, conversations, the percentage of end users that an automated product can help. It takes time, it takes effort, but then in the end, like you get to, you just get to some critical inflection point where you're like, Gosh, this is now resolving thirty percent, forty percent of my questions. I I couldn't live without this. And you know, consumer expectations will change as well. You know, like we hope we're leading the industry here, and I don't think you know certainly along certain axes along you know ease of use, along automation products that you can actually get started with really fast. And I I think we we have we have a good claim to be a leader here. But you know, there's there's a whole industry working on this on, in different ways, and you know it's working, it's, it's, it's been successful and consumer behavior is going to change. We're going to move from a world where people, you know, like are kind of like looking at this bot thing that comes in and kind of thinking, oh yeah, that looks kind of useful. Maybe I should interact with that to a world where people are like, why do I have to wait? This is an easy question. Where, where's the bot, you know? And I, I think, uh, I think we're going to see that and I believe in that. And I think that's been the history of automation everywhere is that like, it's a curve that, you know, takes much longer than you think and then really fast passes some inflection point. And then it's like, this is expected. Where is it? And yeah, I think uh, on the machine learning team here at at Intercom, we really want to make that happen for this space. And, you know, we're, we're never going to automate like every single question people have. Somebody's, people are going to like, the system is going to break. They're going to have like, you know like they're, they're dealing with a customer and there's just something that's like super unexpected that's never been seen before is going to happen or you know there's, there's a terrible bug and it requires like you know per customer resolution and um, you know one of our customers is a terrible bug and it requires per customer resolution and you know we're never going to get to the point where we have like you know 100 percent of questions automated but i do think we can get to the point where the majority of common things are just answered immediately and um yeah, and we're going to, we're getting better and better and better. At that. There's a lot in that. It's so exciting
0: building a path to this future. And one thing I find fascinating is we have a I think a real advantage with the, the canvas that is our messenger and the conventions that exist where people you know have human to human conversations through that messenger. Right. And a, a, a great thing that resolution bot has to its advantage is a free shot at the start of the conversation to see if it can help. And if it doesn't, if the person presses, you know, thumbs like talk, wait for the team or they continue typing, that simply cascades through to a human to human conversation, just as you would expect and and doesn't take any longer. That's a really nice thing to have. It allows us to like push the envelope, take a few more risks, knowing that there's this this great fallback.
1: Yeah. And I, actually I think that maybe that's a, that's a nice segue into one of the products uh, we've recently, or one of the product features we've recently launched, um, with our resolution bot launch, which is uh, this idea of auto suggested answers before the end user even hits return. So, what auto suggested answers is here is that as the user is typing before they've even hit return, and um, we will, if we detect that we can answer their question, the question that they're still just writing, we're going to start prompting the user. With these answers that appear just above the composer. and this is this is kind of like we're really taking our inspiration here from if you use Android or iPhone and you're typing on your mobile device, you, you see these suggested words and sometimes even phrases. Now, if you use Gmail, it actually has even like phrases, auto completed phrases before you finish typing. And th- that's fast becoming what end users expect. It's fast becoming the norm of any sort of typing interface that like, if you can help me before I even finish what I'm typing, please do that." And We really see that users are sort of expecting this more and more, and they're, they're using it more and more across a whole lot of different tools. And with AutoSuggest, we're bringing that to our bots. And so Resolution Bot now features this, that as you start typing in the composer, before you've even pressed enter, if we have an answer in the system that can help you, that can resolve your question, that'll get suggested there. Hopefully you'll see that and you'll think, oh, gosh, you know, I don't even need to ask this question. There's there's a little thing here telling me about like Reset Password. I'm just going to click that and they click that and then suddenly they're in this like automated support flow. And, you know, that feels good to us. And we also kind of hope that, you know, we can suggest answers more aggressively here than we would if we had to wait until after they press return. Part of that is just screen real estate, right? There's We had we the opportunity of giving them a little inline menu of like two or three answers. Maybe they changed their query. And, and part of it as well is that like, you know, if you've asked a question and then you press return, the bot has to be pretty confident in what it kind of presents to you as the reply. And so, you know, that means like we've always kind of wanted to really make sure there's a good user experience there. So we've always been sort of reluctant to dial the bot up so that like it just gives you the best thing it has, even if it's not that useful. Because we we think that bots and automation interfaces that, you know, just make their best shot, even if it's completely irrelevant. They, they, they sort of, they, they reduce user trust over time. It can feel very clunky. It can feel very clunky, exactly. And we, we don't want to do that because then the next time the user comes along and asks a question and the bot has an answer that actually will help them, they will ignore it. So so we don't want to do that. But with resolution bottom, will auto suggest, you know, these are suggestions. They're sort of, they're not taking your as much of your attention. and We've done a lot of um kind of user research on this before we shipped it, and we've really discovered that, you know, end users, just like those kind of suggestions on your Android keyboard, you'll kind of ignore them if they're not that relevant to you, and you'll kind of see them if they are relevant to you. And like that is that is the gold standard for where to put an automated system, where to put a machine learning system. Because, you know, machine learning systems are never perfectly accurate. So we're looking for somewhere where, you know, it doesn't hurt too much if we get it wrong, but it helps when we get it right. And we really think we've done this with the suggest uh, for resolution bot. So we're we're really excited about that. Just done the kind of the wide rollout and the wide launch, and we're watching our numbers eagerly. Exciting. So we have global customers who understandably want to provide support in their
0: native languages. We added six new languages, which means Resolution Bot is now fluent in seven.
1: Tell us how you approached building this and what were some of the challenges you faced? Right. Um, Yeah, so that's a good question. So um, for Resolution Bot Multilingual, one kind of thing we were really worried about was if we build this multilingual version, are we going to have to maintain Let's say we support 20, 30 languages eventually, are we going to have to maintain a different machine learning system for each of those 20 or 30 languages? We could build it. It would take us time to build it for each additional language, but the hard part isn't building it. The hard part is maintaining the system because each language is going to have its own idiosyncrasies, its own little things that are different. And you know, customers are going to ask us, you know, hey, why is the bot doing this? This doesn't quite make sense in my native language, and we're going to have to iterate on that and kind of patch it and improve it. And, you know, over time, these systems are going to diverge from each other. That's, that's a very big maintenance burden. And if we, if we kind of go into that world, we have to do it with our eyes very wide open because machine learning systems are not like normal products. The maintenance burden, the technical debt burden can get very, very severe. So yeah, for resolution bot, one of the things that we were doing was we were switching over to a neural network-based approach. And the particular family of neural networks that we're using actually can learn multiple languages in an end-to-end way. So, you know, that just makes it much easier to maintain multiple languages going forward. It also means that instead of us having to sort of manually code in the intricacies of each individual language and each individual idiom, We instead just have a neural network that sort of encodes them all in an end-to-end way. So much more of the complexity and the maintenance burden is hidden in the neural network. We can A, B test it, and we can make sure it's working well for all our languages, but we don't have to individually code each individual language in great detail. We we, we still have to kind of patch small things that go wrong in any language, and we've had to do that during our beta to get the, the accuracy standard up to where we wanted it but it's just easier to maintain on an ongoing basis. The reason for the languages that we've selected and decided to support is those are the next six most common languages that intercom customers get questions in after English. And we will likely add more over time.
0: I can't wait to see how it performs. One thing I found really interesting is looking at German customers and some of the idiosyncrasies of their language space. And one thing that struck me looking at questions, it looks like there are a lot of unique words that are kind of these these complex words that are constructed perhaps out of a few different words and I can't help but wonder, is German a language that is well suited towards automation like this?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I, I did a, a few years of, of German in school. I, I wouldn't all claim to be, be a speaker, but I, I definitely studied the language for a few years. And um, absolutely, you get these large sort of compound words to describe concepts. And I think yeah, uh, you get compound words in German slightly more than you get maybe overloaded words in, in a language like English. And it, it's been really interesting in our testing that sometimes that actually improves the accuracy. You, you might think, gosh, this is a very large word. What's that going to do? And, and actually like big words that sort of identify distinct concepts are a relatively easy place for machine learning algorithms. And so, you know, there's been a lot of learning for us as we've built uh, the multilingual version of our, our bots. And definitely that's one of the things we've noticed is that there's some languages that just, you know, NLP works even better. So looking to the future then, this feels like a pretty important juncture
0: in how we use and build for machine learning. What do you think the next 10
1: years hold for automated support? I mean... The The nature of this field is that it's, you know, any speculation is, is, is fraught. You know, I think we touched on a little bit earlier in the conversation, you know, we have a certain sort of like, you know, resolution rate, a certain self-serve percentage that we're doing at the moment. And we want to increase that for our customers and for our customers' users. And there's a whole ton of stuff that we're prototyping and experimenting with all the time, uh, which I can't really go into in in detail because it's just so early and, you know, 70% of these things uh, never make it out of prototype stage. But, you know, we're always looking for ways of like telling our customers, you know, hey, this is like really what we think you should curate. Or rather, you know, we're always looking for ways of helping our customers discover what it is that, you know, will move the dial for them if they teach it to the bot. We're always doing more work on like integrating the different parts of our product. We want to make it so that, you know, you can have automation and bots that uses ever increasing amounts of user context to figure out like mm. what their issue is and what you can help them with. And um, I, I think we're going to dig into to all those areas more and more. We've we've just shipped, I think, our, our, our most advanced targeting ever for resolution bot out of any of our sort of our automated bot products. And so, you know, we want to really, kind of get more and more towards sort of personalizing these sort of support experiences, predicting what the users want as early as we can. And yeah, we're, we're doing a lot of work in that area at the moment. It's so interesting for
0: me, if I were to sort of think about a general trend that I, that I mm. can predict for us, I think of a couple of things. One is just, we started off very deliberately conservative. Right. Uh, we started off just wanting to layer in some automation on top of existing human-to-human you know, conversational conventions. And we want to be careful that no one ever gets stuck in bot jail. So right. if the bot replies and the end user just continues typing a message, that then cascades through to, to a human-to-human conversation. And there are little steps we can take along the way of sort of more automation as we, as we show that we can produce good results and, and good experiences and, and solve people's problems we can start dialing that up a little bit more. Uh, and then another thing is, you know, when we built this initially, I think we thought, okay, we're going to automate frequently asked questions, simple things that can be questions that can be answered with a piece of text. Actually, the more you look at support interactions, the more you realize that those frequently asked questions are actually just a subset. Uh, they're they're the, they're the first layer of things that you can automate something that can be automated with a piece of text response actually there's a lot of interactions that are maybe little business processes little two-way things and 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 i i'm really interested in thinking about what if resolution bot could not just and indeed it has this capability already but, but we haven't pushed it that much not just reply with a piece of text or a link to an article but kick off a little app or a custom bot workflow or automate a higher level process that typically does still require two people to interact and have a back and forth on.
1: Yeah, uh, absolutely. I think that's really exciting. I I think, you know, we have um, this resolution bot product at the moment, which will give you like sort of a single answer. And as you say, the answer can be a product tour, it can have an app inside it. Um, But, you know, it, it is still very much like there's a single issue here and we're answering that single issue. We have other products like our custom bot products, where if you want to build this sort of branching flow, you can do that. I, I think it'd be great to to kind of unify these two things. It would be great to live in a world where we detect not just your common questions, but actually your sort of your common flows and we suggest those to you. But there, there's a whole lot of complexity there around like inferring this from people's data and getting them set up with that. So th- th- that's the direction we're going to sort of increase the amount of your conversations that we can resolve, but it's going to take work. And we're doing a lot of work like that at the moment. It's exciting. I can't wait to see what we do in this space. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Fergal, this has been a really fun chat. Thank you so much. Really appreciate your time. Thanks for having me on
1: uh, Inside Intercom. Thanks for listening to the Inside
0: Intercom podcast. For more interviews, go to intercom.com slash blog or subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, or Stitcher.
1: This is Inside Intercom.